Good afternoon and welcome to the Hamilton Wealth Partners podcast number 58, based off Investor Insight number 99 for July 2021. I'm Will Hamilton and I'm joined today by both Kane Barano and John Green and we're going to hear their pearls of wisdom in a second. But look, just to start with, in recent months, global equity markets have continued really their post-COVID recovery. They've shown incredible resilience. Um, They've reached new nominal highs across developed markets. We have those seen to underpin this, and I think this is important, strong corporate earnings, and that's driving the trend as cyclicals are performing strongly. Growth in technology-related companies, though, have underperformed, and we've seen that just lately. There is a debate out there in markets over valuations, and markets have been supported by low interest rates. So there is also this view that's continuing out there, and there is no alternative, or TINA as people are calling it. And that's seen equity valuations on a PE basis being questioned by quite a few people. But that's because the US market on an historical basis is trading at its 90th percentile and on a sickly adjusted basis, the Schiller PE on the US S&P 500 is at 37.5 times against the median valuation of 15.8 times. But the big question here is the extent to which companies will exceed their earnings. So in other words, on a forward earnings basis, are markets priced for disappointment or if earnings do strongly exceed these expectations, are markets supported by these earnings? And I think that's a really, really important thing rather than looking backwards. Does the earnings part of the PE support their valuations? So there's no doubt now that the risk associated with the pandemic, they're being pushed into the past. Inflation now is coming into the markets as the key risk. Headline core US inflation is 3%. It's the highest in a quarter of a century, but the picture's more complicated than the current debate around just what these core figures look look like. We do believe, believe inflation is likely to rise over the current coming months, especially as supply shortages and bottlenecks continue to push global commodity prices higher. It's transitory or short-term rather than systemic, and that's where the debate is. Is this going to be short-term or long-term? Now, capital economics in London are probably a little bit more negative than us on the on the inflation front. They've pointed out that whilst they, th- and this is their words, think that inflation in the US will prove more persistent than both the Fed and investors appear to anticipate, we, being capital economics, still expect the S&P 500 to make some further gains over the next couple of years. So they're looking at two factors in reinforcing their view. So first of all, signs of rising inflation haven't sparked a reassessment of the outlook for monetary policy. And second, rising prices and shortages haven't raised significant concerns about the economic recovery amongst investors so far. So look, that's uh, it from me on an introduction. I'm going to hand over to Kane Barrow now to talk about equities. Kane. Thanks, Will. Um, Yeah, so as Will mentioned, domestic equities reached all-time highs towards the end of quarter two. So the ASX 200 broke through the 7,400 point mark for the first time ever. Um, Tactical asset allocation indicators show that our local market is benefiting from strong momentum drivers and a supportive liquidity and policy backdrop, which sees fiscal and monetary policy continuing to support risk-based assets. Business conditions reached 20-year highs in June, and excess savings now totals over $140 billion. So this provides additional economic support as we move forward. We entered the quarter with a moderately overweight position in domestic equities, and we continue to hold this view as we head into quarter three. So um, just noting that this is our only overweight position when it comes to listed equity markets. Um, Strong earnings revisions estimates um, 
uh, in the US and Europe led to further gains for developed market equities over the quarter and supportive fiscal and monetary policy settings with slightly lower bond yields means we have retained our neutral developed market equity positioning. Um, and within that, we're favoring shares um, outside of the US. The, the main risks to this uh, positive backdrop have shifted in recent months, again, as, as Will mentioned. So central banks have moved away from a policy narrative of doing everything possible to support growth in jobs to a more balanced view which considers their other two goals, which are inflation targeting and financial stability risks. Um, when it comes to emerging markets, we, uh, we reduced our overweight position at the start of the quarter and we moved this back to neutral. Uh, and that was because momentum and policy conditions pointed to relative weakness, that's compared to um, developed and uh, domestic uh, equity markets. So large Asian emerging market economies, they handled COVID-19 substantially better than more mature developed markets in 2020, and their economies subsequently rebounded quicker. So that led to a period of outperformance late last year and early this year. Um, so emerging markets captured the easy gains coming out of the economic shutdowns earlier, and they have now returned to a more normal period of growth, meaning they're relatively less attractive in the short term, although with a strong macro backdrop in the medium and long term. So, Kane, in uh, with respect to property and REITs, we've had some changes that have just come through. So we'll be altering portfolios in the new financial year. Yep. So starting with uh, REITs, they outperformed the broader equity market during quarter two. So this saw their relative sorry, their valuation discount decreasing from about 10% at the start of the quarter to around 6% at the end of the quarter. So rising bond yields further reduced the yield spread on offer above bonds um, and the risk of a rise in the real yield component means that we've reduced our overweight position in A rates, bringing this back to neutral as we head into quarter three. Um, Lending indicators such as housing finance approvals point to another a further 10 to 15 percent lift in residential housing, and this has supported the residential sector over the quarter. Alternative subsectors such as childcare outperformed following the federal government's initiatives announced in the May budget, and healthcare continues to perform well. So we're seeing even more cap rate compression in, um, in this sector during quarter two. We're seeing less opportunities in the unlisted property sector than what was on offer late last year and towards the middle of last year. And this is as the managers um, that we support in this sector, they're struggling to find value with cap rates continuing to compress across the board. And Kane, what about alternative assets? That's been a big position in our portfolios. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of activity in the M&A space, so it's on track to reach all-time highs this year. Um, so a lot of private equity firms, corporate investors, they're looking for a home to invest uh, the large sums of capital that they have. Um, and they're looking for an area that is outside of public markets. So we're seeing a lot of activity here. Uh, we've taken a very disciplined approach when it comes to new investments in private equity. So we're ensuring that um, there's a, a strong focus on sequencing risks to ensure investors continue to, to gain exposure to the right spread of vintages. Good. And look, um, diversified credits also, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of people offering product in that space. Yep. So just on the, um, the credit market, um, over the past year, it has been well supported from the government's $200 billion term funding facility, which is scheduled to end 
uh, on June 30. So that means the outlook for high quality and longer dated credit, it will be more challenged. Um, domestic credit spreads, they rallied at the beginning of the quarter and were mostly flat um, towards the end of the quarter. And we're continuing to favor those managers <clears throat> with flexibility to move within the credit spectrum and take advantage of some of the relative value opportunities. Um, last quarter, we spoke, as you mentioned, Will, about how we've reduced our exposure to property secured private debt. Um, and we have selectively been adding exposure to senior secured business lending as a means to further diversify within the credit, diversified credit bucket. Um, Mid-market private business lending, it's an underserviced market segment domestically, and it offers strong risk and return dynamics. So that's an area we're focusing on moving forward. So Greeny thinks we've forgotten about it, but we haven't. We're going to get in now into fixed income and cash. It mightn't be the most sexy part of the market, John, but it's your turn. Mightn't be the sexiest, Will, but it's the most important part of the market. It drives everything else, I'm sure our listeners are well aware. So while inflation expectations continue to be the main driver of global bond markets, coupled with that is ongoing speculation about how soon central banks may have to consider raising short-term interest rates and or taper their bond purchasing programs, which continue to pump cash into the global economy. As the Northern Hemisphere countries move into summer, their rapid vaccination rollouts and removal of restrictions are ensuring a strong lift in economic growth and an encouraging lift in employment. Indeed, in mid-June, the US Federal Reserve or the Fed brought forward their expected timetable for interest rate rises to 2023 from 2024. Our Reserve Bank here in Australia is holding on to its current timetable for now, but we expect that they will likely need to move earlier than they currently forecast also. Um, over the quarter, short-term yields remained pretty well an anchored and longer dated maturities moved in line with inflation or tapering expectations, rallying for most of the quarter before drifting higher in yield later in the quarter and just over the last few days they've rallied quite strongly again. So it looks like there's going to be little change for the quarter overall. Um, bond markets are really suggesting there's not too much for risk assets to fear at the moment. They are fairly subdued but we remain underweight fixed income and cash, continuing to favour fund managers with quite short duration portfolios and you know very actively managed portfolios, notwithstanding the quite subdued market, we do believe the risk reward for holding longer duration portfolios is still unattractive. Thank you, John, and thank you, Kane. Look, on our inside on the printed version, you will see our asset allocation direction. And uh, because it's too difficult on a podcast to walk through that, but it's. But I will just explain that we, yeah, we're continuing to favour risk-based assets over defensive assets, and this overweight position has been a reduced a little bit over recent months, and you'd expect that because markets have rallied. Equity markets will be supported though by corporate earnings strength, but unlike the past 12 months, we need to get used to more moderate returns, and I think quite a lot of you that are listening that are our existing clients know that as we've gone through reviews we've asked you to please look at the three-year numbers not the one-year numbers the big unknown is beyond the short term though at you know 12 months out COVID-19 has revealed to us all that unlike previous cycles we simply don't know where this is headed this means it's about balancing risk it means it's also about being nimble it's about expecting the unexpected and potentially being prepared to jump in a different direction than, than originally anticipated. So flexibility is an absolute key.
We've repeatedly said over the last few months how the direction of risk-based assets is linked to the direction of interest rates. So, yeah, you just heard John talk about how important interest rates are. They are important. We will be watching how interest rate expectations move over the next 12 months and the trend that can eventuate from such moves. And this is going to dictate how we react in your portfolios. Thank you for listening. Um, again, it's Will Hamilton and I'm joined by John Green and Kane Barano. If you've got any queries, please do not hesitate to contact us on Melbourne, so 03 9275 8888 and have a great day. Thank you.